This is the most joyous time, and we are really, truly the most joyous people in this earth. Now, this is going to be a little bit on top of the blessed thing. You know, so that we were blessed last week. We talked about being blessed. I'm telling you what, you are blessed in this earth. We're blessed in this earth to be a blessing to those who are around us everywhere that we go. Jesus came into this earth not to serve, not to just come and be the king of kings, not to just come and be the savior of the world, not to just come and have all of the power and all of the anointing and all of the, and then just disappear out of this earth and and sit at the right hand of the father and leave us to, to be. He came as our example so that in times, times all year long, but especially in times like this, when people are focused on Jesus, they gotta want what you have. They got to be able to look at you and say, there's something about you that I want. And I've already gone to, I think, preaching a little bit here, so we'll get our Bible up in just a second. But I love the joy message because there are a lot of times, and you know, folks, you don't want what they have. And I don't want that to be the church. The body of Christ is supposed to have what everybody else wants. And that is manifest in our lives in every area. So we're going to talk about joy a little bit today. Joy to the world, that it's not just a song. That's not just a song. It's a mandate. It's a commission for us in this world. I'll explain it and talk about it in just a few minutes. But let's make our confession uh, as we begin. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. You may be seated. You know that video, I don't know if you could read it very well. The words were kind of small and they were a little bit tiny. But it, but it says, joy is a net. Joy is a net of love by which you catch souls. I don't know about you, but there haven't been too many times where I've been down and out, been upset, and had a little bit of a grump on my face, and had a little bit of scowl in my heart, and just kind of going through. I didn't lead anybody to Jesus that way. It doesn't happen very often that way. Now, many times people come to you and their life is a mess, and they've got problems, and there are issues, and I'm not saying that everything's a, you know, a, a, a comic troupe, and you're not you know, performing for them and doing jokes and all those kind of things, but I'm telling you there is a joy, an unspeakable joy that's in our heart, and part of that is the fact that we are in love with Jesus, that we have his word in our heart, that, that we know exactly that, 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 that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he saved us, and he's poured himself into us, and then that joy joy that comes from that. There's a joy that comes from being saved that other people can't have. If you're not saved, see, there's a joy that comes when you're, when you're saved. There's a happiness. There, there's this opportunity to be ecstatic on the inside because you were a wretch and now you're not. You were a mess and now you're not. There's a joy that comes from that. And when maybe it was like Pastor Bill used to say, you, you know, you got saved and you don't know what it was, but everything was just a little bit different. You know, the flowers smelled different. Everything was just a little different. And you, you had a little skip in your step and you don't know what it was. Well, then the world wants to beat that out of you. The enemy wants to take that out of you as you go and as you go back through life. The idea is not to let go of that. Where did it come from? It came from Jesus. It came because you got saved. And when you get saved, there is something on the inside of you that sparks. You are full of his love. You begin to understand and learn his word. And that produces a great joy in your heart. And that joy has to be transferable. See, Jesus' joy was transferable. It didn't just stop with him. Our joy is transferable, and it doesn't just stop with us. Jesus' joy, as he speaks about it and talks about it all through the New Testament, just talking about, about giving us his joy and all of those different things, his fulfillment, see, his joy wasn't situational. It was permanently on the inside of him. In our lives, we've made it situational. Your joy is not situational. See, your fulfillment is not situational. Those things are supposed to be manifest on the inside of us all the time. They're everlasting. 
It says, the joy is a net by which you can catch souls. A joyful heart is burning with love. Joy is not a thing. Joy is not about things. Joy is not about possessions. Joy is not about victory in your life. Joy is, joy is in your heart. It doesn't leave us. John 15, 11 was the scripture that was used there. And it says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Say, my joy. May, say, my joy may remain in you. See, he has put his joy in our hearts. And especially this time of the year, just like we talked about Thanksgiving and blessing, especially at that time of the year, we, we should really truly be like the most joyous people on the face of the earth. And, and I know situations and I know circumstances and I know stuff, but I know that joy is not situational. See, in the world today, you look around, you don't see a lot of joy. Everybody's worried about what's going on in their life and, and everybody has to take care of responsibilities and stuff. But, but we end up really truly focused on those situations and those things and they dictate the joy. Really truly, we should, we should be smiling all the time and be happy. Now, I catch myself not doing that and I, and I know I share about this all the time, but this is important to me because in my life I want to be joyous. I, I, I want to be known as the happy guy. I want to be known. I was always tried, I tried to be known as a, as a happy teacher. Like, yeah, my kids, they just come home. They just laugh all the time in your class. Yes, that's good. Not because I'm funny, but because I'm sharing that joy. See, that's important to me. When people leave and, they, and they're in service and they're laughing and doing things and God's touching them and talking to them, it's a lot easier to hear from God when you're laughing. Because most of the time, it's a pretty harsh word along the way. God's always dealing with you. You know, Joyce Meyer has that gift where she can smack you around real good and you laugh about it and just enjoy it. You enjoy the spiritual beating that you're taking as you go. And then you know what you do? You give her money and you come back the next day. I mean, it's like, this is great. I'm going I'm to pay. Church is the place, see, where you will pay for opportunities to volunteer, to be talked down to, to be told how bad you are and where you've made mistakes. Everybody comes and puts money in their offering and says, that was great. I had a good time. See, it's easier when there's, when there's joy, when, the, when there's joy in your heart. There's got to be something on the inside of you that, that, that kind of is a, a little bit of an oil that allows you sometimes to hear from God. And in the world today, there's not that oil. In the world today, you don't see that. Jesus came really truly into this earth. He brought great joy, but he didn't take it with him when he left. He brought great joy and he gave it to us. And there's a mandate that comes with that, I believe. See, it wasn't the idea, and this is, this is a little bit of the message today as, he goes, as I go, but it wasn't this idea that he's just going to give, to, to give you joy and touch you and say, laugh a little bit, and then he takes off. He says, you know what? You need this so much. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be so joyous, to have so much joy in your life that it will overflow, just like Pastor Pam said about the love that it poured out and got all the junk out of her life. He pours that into our lives. But then, he, then, then the whole idea is, I am going to be with the Father. It's your responsibility now to share that joy. Much like the Word, much like His love, all those things. And then He gave us, it became our responsibility then in this earth to give that to the people who are around us. And I don't know necessarily if, if, if we always pay attention to that or always do. You know, last year at the end of the year, in Christmas, it was the day after Christmas, I think, and I shared a message about joy and peace, and Jesus came to bring joy and came to bring peace into this earth. And really, it's a little bit of the same message, I guess, today. Tomorrow, next week, we'll talk about love, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then the next week, we'll talk about the light, that Jesus came into the world, and that those who were in darkness saw a great light. And then the last one will be life, and the fact that he came to give us life, that God so loved the world that he gave his light, he gave his son, planted him into this earth, so that we might have life. 
We started with joy, though, and it says in Isaiah in chapter 9, in verse 3, it says, you have multiplied the nation and increased joy. This is the portion of Isaiah as they start to talk about the Messiah being born. In verse 6, it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace that he's come into this earth, he is coming, he's been here already, at this time he was coming. In Luke, in chapter one, and you don't have to necessarily go and read all of these particular scriptures, but it's the story of Mary coming to Elizabeth, both of them being pregnant. And, and as Mary was coming to Elizabeth and began to, to, to walk into the door, Elizabeth was so excited, she said, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped, for joy that jesus brought joy into the room and into the house even inside the womb there is life inside the womb and this baby on the inside of elizabeth jumped when mary came into that place the lord spoke to to the shepherds who were watching at that night in luke 2 and said but the angel said to them do not be afraid i bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people I bring you the good news that will bring great joy to all of the people. Now, who are all the people? It's not just the people who were there that night in Bethlehem. It's the people who are here today, too. This news, this great news of Jesus coming into the earth brings great joy. Great joy in our life. Great joy in our hearts. Great joy in our homes. We are the ones who control that. He has given it to us. He came to bring it. He came to bring it, and he gave it to us, and now we basically have control of it like we do the water faucets in our house. If you don't turn the water on in your house, you won't get wet. If you don't turn the joy on in your heart, you're not going to get wet, so to speak. See, you, you have control of that just as we do the water that's in our home. He came into this world, and he gave us his joy. He went to be with the Father, but that wasn't where it ended. It wasn't just supposed to be, you have joy, now go your way. I'm thankful that the people who were in that time and in that place when Jesus went to be with the Father shared that joy, shared that love, and shared that light with the people who were around them or else we wouldn't have been here today. Because the devil would have squelched it out. The devil would have pulled out the joy. He would have pulled out the love. He would have killed the word. He thought he already had killed the word in Jesus, but he rose again. See, the devil is after that in the world and he's after that in our lives. He didn't, he didn't say to us that, that, that our world is going to be simple and we're just going to walk through day to day and not have any problems and not face any trials or tribulation. He said we will go through some stuff, but stuff doesn't matter. We will face things, but things don't matter. We will be in seasons where we're busy and where we got stuff going on, but that doesn't matter. He told us the key in John chapter 15, and you can look there. It's John 15 and it's verse 9. And this is where he gave us his joy, and we talked about 1511 just a second ago. But it says in John 9, or sorry, John 15, verse 9, it says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. He said, abide in my love. We've talked about this word a little bit over the year, talking about abiding in him and him abiding in us. And this says, abide in my love. Basically, that word was a word that meant remain. Remain in me. Remain in my love. And he goes on and says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love or remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may remain full. The word full, if you look at it, means completely filled, containing 
containing all that could possibly be held. That means in your life, if you're walking in sorrow, if you're walking in misery, if you're walking in in disappointment, if you have some of those things, you're not abiding in him because if you abide in his love, if you remain in his love, you won't have those things because your joy will be full. And so in our lives, if we find ourselves in those positions and in those places, not that they don't come, but you're walking in them. See, it's that idea like we talked about with the heart. We all have issues and face things, but we have to allow them to pass through or be eliminated from us. Those things come at us, but if we're walking in them, then somewhere along the way, we've given up on our joy, the joy that he's given us. Because the joy that he has given us, it says, is so full, we are so sated that there's not room for anything else. There's not room for disappointment. There's not room for hurt. There's not room for pain. Those things don't have an opportunity because we are full to the brim. And when you're in those places, see that joy, like Pastor Pam said earlier, that love, it expels the hurt. It expels the pain. It expels those things. They can't stay there. Why? Because it's totally full. There's to- you're totally full of God's joy. That's why in Psalm 16, 11, it says, in his presence is fullness of joy. And what did, God say, what did Jesus say in John 15? He said, abide in my love, remain in me, remain in my presence, and you will have a fullness or you will have more joy than you know what to do with. Those two scriptures work together. See, Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Well, why is that? Because you're abiding in him. You're abiding in his love. You're remaining in his presence. And he promised us in John 15, if you'll do that, then I will pour out a fullness of joy that you seriously won't be able to contain. And in our lives today, that's who we are in this earth. That's who we're supposed to be. Joy is not a man-made product. You remain in him You remain in his love, and the byproduct is joy. Too many times we go searching for joy, and many times we'll come to Christ searching for his joy. And he says, you don't have to search for my joy. We don't have to look through the scriptures to find his joy. We have to do what? Abide in his love. And if we'll abide in his love, joy is a byproduct. Don't go searching for joy. Don't go searching. It's not a man-made product. My wife makes me happy, but God brings me joy. She makes me smile. She makes me laugh. My children are wonderful, and I just, I just can't get enough of them. I love being with my family and all of those things. But they are not the ones who dictate whether or not I have joy in my life. That was dictated by God. Jesus came. He gave me his joy. Now, here's the thing. Do I want to keep it? Do we, do, we want, do we want to keep that kind of joy? Sometimes you have more joy if you just got saved. Why is it that the ones who are just saved have more joy than the ones who have been in the word for all of these years? You know, why, why is it? Well, because they were just saved and they understand what they just got rid of. They understand that they're not, they're not wretches anymore. They understand that Jesus just took all that away. They understand that they were what the word says. They were saved. See, when, you're, when you are saved and you, you know that, man, I, when I walked in this place, I was miserable and I was going to hell and my life was a wreck. And when I left this place, Jesus did something on the inside of me. He changed me. He moved me from where I was to who I am right now in this moment. I am set free. How many of you know when you've been set free from something great? Boy, you got a lot of joy on the inside of you. See, all of a sudden it begins to rise up on the inside of you. Why? Because now at that moment, you are abiding in him like you never have before. You're abiding in his love because you just received him as your Lord and Savior and said, I do, sir, I am with you. 
And now in that moment, you've just been released from all the sin. You've been released from all the debt. You've been released from all those things that have been holding you down and holding you under for so long. So in that moment, it's simple to be joyous. So the key is then for us in our lives to remain in that moment as we go out and as we live our life. To live in that moment that says, man, I am saved. Have you ever seen those stories like the little kid opens up the thing at Christmas time and he's looking through and maybe you see videos like this sometimes on America's Funniest Videos. He's going through and tearing through these packages and he opens it up and it's a book. <laughs> and he's not happy about getting a book. Usually what they do is they throw it over their shoulder and go to the next one. Sometimes they cry when they're little. They open it up and it's a pair of pants or a robe. And you're so happy because you got them the robe, you know? You're like, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's a great robe. You're going to look really cute in this. And they're like, it's not a robe. I don't want a robe. And then they get to the next present and they open it up and it's like, you know, whatever the latest PS3 thing is and, you know, the new video game or the new whatever, the new Lego set. And, man, they are like, woo! They're jumping up and down. They're running all over, throwing the paper everywhere, and they're excited about Why? Well, because they just got something great. See, they just got something great in their life. The robe wasn't great to them. But, but the, new, the new game was, the new Lego system, that was great to them. In our lives, see, we've been set free from a lot of junk in our lives. That's great. We should rejoice. Sometimes I think it's good to look back and say, you know what? I've come a long way. God's done a lot of things in my life, and he has changed me. God, you are wonderful. It's a whole lot easier to look back and see who you were and who you are today and how God took you from that place to here, and then the joy begins to rise up on the inside of you. A smile comes on your face, and you think, you know what? I can face anything today. I can face anything today. He said in John 16, that we'll face tribulation. He said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good what? Be of good cheer. Well, how can I be of good cheer in the midst of tribulation? How can I? Because your joy is full. Don't pay attention to the tribulation. Don't look at the things and then take those as your own. You see God for who he is in your life. That thing that's come towards you, that bill that you have to pay, it's your responsibility. You have to pay that, but God will take care of you and he'll provide everything that you have need of in that moment when you need it. That's what he says in his word. He said he promised us that. He is the need meter. So in our life, we don't have to focus on the need and we don't have to worry ourselves to the bone and try to figure out how we're going to meet this need and how we're going to make it. We lose our joy. We lose our love. If the devil can't steal your joy, he can't steal your goods. Jerry Seville. If the devil can't steal your joy, he can't steal your goods. Don't lose your joy. Tribulation is pressure and stress. It's adversity, affliction, squashing, squeezing. It's distress. In the Greek, it really it's, it's flips us. And it's this word that, that, that has this meaning, like if you take like a pile of papers or a pile of stuff just laying there, and you put your hands on it and you press it down. See, these papers were free to kind of lay there and be whatever they were. But when you press them down and you hold them down to a point where you've smashed them and you're creating stress and pressure in that place, that's tribulation. That's what this word means and represents in our life. He says you'll have that, but in the midst of that pressing, in the midst of that squeezing, in the midst of that stress, in the midst of those issues, he says, be of good cheer. Why? Not because you're special, not because you're great, you are, but because he has overcome the world, and he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. He said, he's just reminding us of this idea that says, even though you go through stuff, you can still smile. 
See, this is a time of year where people are stressed, where they're pressured, where financial situations come, where we're having to get Uncle Charlie a sweater and everything else. I mean, that used to drive me bananas. I didn't like that. There's nothing worse than having to get somebody something. Like going to the store and having to get them something. Because then, you know, you're always going to spend twice as much because you don't want to get them anything. So you're going to get them like a piece of sausage, you know, from that thing in the mall. And you're going to be like, this is what you're going to get, Uncle Charlie. And then you're like, oh, I feel bad about that. So you go across the street and then you get them like this scarf. You just pick a scarf. You don't even care. You don't even shop. You just get, yeah, that one's good. And then you get about halfway and like, oh, I can't do that either. So you go take that back. And now you're having this dilemma in yourself. And this is supposed to be the most joyous giving time of the earth. And now you're, you're so upset. And ri- see, the stress and the pressure of having to get Uncle Charlie something has cost you your joy? I mean, it's just Uncle Charlie. See, it's, it's that stress and pressure. And really, who puts the stress and pressure on us? We do. The enemy brings it, but we take it. We say, thank you. Yeah, heap it on. Yep, heap that one on too. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, it says, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, yes, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not what? Destroyed. Too many people, we look, we, we look at this, too many times we look at this and we say we're troubled, we're perplexed. <laughs> we just go with those words. We're persecuted and cast down. Yep, that verse is me. Well, we didn't read it all right. We didn't get all the stuff that's really in there. Because the other part says, no, no, you're not distressed. You're not in despair. You're not forsaken. You're not destroyed. That in our life, we, are, we live a life where we are, we're living in perfect and full, complete, full joy. Happy all the time. Yes. If I'm happy and I know, clap my hands. Woo, see, I'm, nobody else clapped with me. How about that? See, I mean, if you're happy and you know, you got to clap your hands, right? Yeah, clap, clap. Yeah, I'm happy. The little kid, I, used, I didn't like church so much when I was little, but I liked those songs. Because they, they, something happened on the inside. I mean, when you're happy and you know, clap your hands. Well, we got excited, man. We were clappers. We wanted to clap faster than the other guy. You know, we made a game out of it, but there's something in it, man. We were like, and finally, the, you know, the children's pastor's got to go like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's come on, come on. Pack your joy back up. <laughs> Sit down in your seats. It's something about doing that. See, it bring, it, all of a sudden, now you're not focused on the fact that you are perplexed, that you're troubled, that those things have come against you, that you've been persecuted. See, that you've been cast down. None of, those, none of that stuff matters anymore. Why? Because you're happy. You're happy. You remember the joy that's on the inside of you. See, the devil is after the word in your life because it produces joy in your heart. And if he can steal the word, if he can take that, he can take your joy. And if he takes your joy, he takes your goods. Why? Because you don't have any strength without joy. There's a progression here. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So if he can get the word, then he's going to get your joy. And if he can get your joy, then he's got your strength. And if he has your strength, then you can't resist. See, it says in James 4.7 that if we submit to God, we resist the enemy and he has to flee. But if we've lost our joy in the process of all this, we've lost our strength, how can you resist with no strength? See, there are times in our life where, you know, your body is not well and, you, and you're, you're your system can't fight off things. And so they give you an antibiotic to help your system fight it off. Spiritually in your life, I think many times we need a spiritual antibiotic. You know, we need, to, we need to realize where we are, get in his presence, get that fullness of joy in our life. That joy will produce strength in our life and then we'll be able to resist. Many times we're looking for God's help and he's saying, you need to sit in my presence. Why? Because in that presence brings that joy. And in that joy brings the strength that you need to continue on tomorrow. 
But again, we're looking for the product. See, we're looking for the product of joy. We're trying to manufacture joy. We want to see joy in our life. We want to have joy. Where God is saying, if you'll just have me, if you'll just rest in me. This is the season that's about Jesus. The reason for the season, Jesus Christ. We all know that. Well, that's perfect. Everywhere you go, you're going to be surrounded with the reason for the season. So you'll be reminded, we'll all be reminded to be in the presence of God all the time. We'll be about the Father's business. We'll be doing the things that he's asked us to do, living the way he's asked us to live. And in the midst of all of that, we have his joy. We don't know where it came from. We don't know how it happened. I don't want to be happy, but I am. Have you ever been there? You're like, you're so mad, but you've been to church and it's been good and you got some, so you're happy. And you're like, I don't want to be happy, but I am anyway. Tomorrow I'll tell you what I think. Today I'm just going to laugh. See, the devil uses big things and little things. And I think too many times we focus on the big things. We don't realize that he's stealing our joy a piece at a time and little by little. That we all have stuff, and this season is full of stuff. I've got a video to show you here of all the things that maybe you have to do in your life as we go through this particular season. And the devil will use these things to steal your joy. Don't let him. It's the Christmas season. That drives me nuts. It's that too. time of year when you unbury all the decorations from the attic in the garage. You put up the Christmas tree. You find that missing stocking with the reindeer on it. You clean out the gutters so that you can string up the lights before it snows or you're the last dark house on the block. The kids have road games, early practices, that huge history project, and final tests to study for, along with five different Christmas parties and your son's extra holiday hours at his part-time job. When can he start driving again? Don't forget to write down the dates and times for the performances and the rehearsals of the programs at church, at school, and at the senior center where they want you to come dressed up as an elf. In tights. Then there's the shopping. Your son wants a new gaming system that can read his mind. Your daughter wants a doll that you're going to have to make payments on. Your sister's emailed you three times asking what you want for Christmas and why you haven't just gotten an Amazon wish list set up already. Your spouse thinks maybe the two of you should just get each other a new furnace for Christmas or maybe just donate all the gift money to orphans in Cambodia. And then there's the secret Santa thing at work. What's a white elephant gift again, anyway? The school sent home a note saying half the kids have strep. Your spouse came home with a box of double extra-strength cough medicine and a case of Kleenex boxes. You're pretty sure there was something wrong with that last piece of fruitcake you just ate. And your daughter's so stuffy, she looks and sounds just like Rudolph. Christmas is at your parents' house this year. And at your spouse's brother's place down south. And at your aunt's place on the lake. If the weather's nice and your kids sleep in the car, you might just make it to all three. And you should make sure that you stop in at the office party for at least a little while. Also, your friends are in town, so could you set aside a night of the week to do a special Christmas just with them? Oh, and can we do it at your house? Your boss needs you to make sure you get that project done before Christmas, even though he's going to be out of town until January, and you have to cover for your coworker who spends every Christmas in Hawaii. Also, none of your contractors will answer the phone after December 15th. Plus, you need to make that green bean dish you're so good at for Christmas dinner, and that peppermint dessert all the kids love for the other Christmas dinner, and something gluten-free for Uncle Dale, and a backup ham just in case your mom's stove blinks out again. Also, there's cookies and carols at the church on Saturday afternoon. Everybody bring two dozen. Oh, and don't forget, <laughs> Jesus is the reason for the season. Now, I mean, I'm telling you, these things happen. Merry Christmas. You know, and, and, and most of you are just, just kind of sitting there thinking, well, that's, that's about half of my life. You're watching that going, yeah, I, I got to do half of that. But somewhere in the midst of that, there's joy. 
Somewhere in the midst of that, there's happiness. Somewhere in the midst of that, there's the love of Christ who came into this earth, who poured his body and his flesh and his life out for us. And really, truly, all we have to do is make a decision. It's that simple. There, there, there's not this, this remedy. There's not this six-part deal. After you look at this and you, you see this guy going through all these things and you think, well, I got to do that. And then uh, thanks for showing the video because that just reminded me of something else I have to do. And now your wife's hitting you because now you got to put the lights up because that guy said put the lights up. So, you know, I mean, all of those things are going on in your life. We do have all of that stuff. But in the midst of that, we can have joy. It's a little bit like the wedding thing. I do this sometimes when I'm talking to people who are getting married. I share with them, you must remain joyful. Don't allow this moment, don't allow this next month, don't allow these next two weeks before you get married to steal all the joy out of this. This is the greatest moment (laughs) of your adult life. (laughs) And it's going to disappear quickly. So you're going to, I mean, this is the great, (laughs) this is the most important decision other than receiving Jesus that you're making. And you're, you're, you're going to come into this. It's the most joyous moment that you're going to have to this point. Don't miss it. See, don't miss it. Don't look back in a week and say, oh, man, because you can't go back and do it again. You won't be able to go back December 27th to December 28th and enjoy this season again. Now, we need to keep this joy with us all year, no doubt. That's what, that's what Jesus came to do in our life. But don't, don't get to the end of the year and realize that you missed Christmas. Don't get to the end of the year and realize that you missed the, the, the celebration that it is about Jesus' birth in this earth. Don't get to the end of the year and miss all of the joy that comes with it because you had to do those things that are on that video. Do it with joy in your heart and see if God doesn't do something special in your life. It says in James 1, 2, it really is our choice. It says, looking unto Jesus, oh, sorry, in James 1, 2, it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. New, New Living Testament says this, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Well, I'd rather hide. I'd rather go under the covers. I'd rather find a place where I can just rest, where I can be by myself. I'd rather just shut all the doors, turn off all the lights. See, we, we would rather focus in because we, we want to protect that place and that time, and we don't want to put ourselves in a position where we have to stretch or grow or whatever that might be. Not on purpose, but it's just, it's just a response to our flesh. But really, truly, what you'll find yourself doing is losing all of the joy, and then you'll end up in a place where you have no strength, and then the enemy continues to steal and to nitpick and to take. And we don't want to be in that place. And there's a reason, because this joy that's on the inside of us is part of of what helps us go through the difficult spot. The joy on the inside of us is part of what helps us remain in those situations, to press on in those situations, to fight when we don't want to fight. In Hebrews 12, it says, and Jesus is our example, but it says in verse 12, Sorry, Hebrews 12, 2. It says, we're supposed to look unto Jesus. We get this. We say this all the time. I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And that's the end of the running the race passage that started in one. And now we get to this point, we kind of stop there sometimes. But if you'll go on, it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That the joy, the idea of what was going to come, the idea that we would have an opportunity to be saved and that people would come into the kingdom because of this act 
because of this difficult thing that he was going through, he was looking to the joy. He was looking to the fact that all of us would be able to be part of his family. He was seeing the joy. And the fact that there was joy in that helped him get through the distressful moment and the tough time. See, in our life, we lose our joy and we never go forward. He said, hang on to your joy so you can go forward. It says, for the joy that was set before him said he endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured the cross because there was joy in his heart. There was an outcome. There was, a, there was something that was going to come down the path. Us. See, there was something that was going to come, opportunity for healing and blessing, the Holy Spirit coming in to the world and to our lives, all of those things. That was joy on the inside of him. And he focused on that joy, and that helped him get through that particular time. See, joy is gladness that comes by grace that we open up ourselves to him and he fills us because we don't have anything many times to be joyful of if we look around. You just had Thanksgiving. You know, look around at all the things that were going on. There were probably moments of joy. There were probably moments of not joy somewhere in there. So we all have opportunities and we all have moments where we don't, we don't have what we need maybe in the natural. See, again, we're looking for that man-made joy. Abide in him and then the byproduct of that abiding is joy. See, in our life, we can be like Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We watch him, we follow him. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. We understand and know, just as Jesus did, that God was about to do something fantastic in that place, and he held on to that thought of God doing something fantastic so that he could get through the tough time. He got through this moment. He got through this place. He even had a doubt where he said, not my will, but your will be done. But he gave it up and he said, I'll follow whatever you have me to do. Why? Because there is a joy on the inside of him that's coming because all of this opportunity is about to be fulfilled. In your life, I'll tell you this. He gave you great joy so that you can persevere. It says in times of tribulation, be of good what? Cheer. See, there's, there's a reason. There is joy. In this season, there is joy. And in your life, is there joy? See, in this season, there is joy. The world will even get on the bandwagon here for a little bit. The world will even, they'll ring some bells and, you know, they'll give a little extra. And even the world will get involved a little bit here. And if we'll help them, if we'll share our joy, if we will not look down at them and say, well, you should be involved all year, See, if we, won't, if we won't have that, as the church gets into that mode and into that place, we're all of a sudden, we're acting with the enemy. See, as the world begins to get a little bit of joy, let's be the biggest bundle of joy. Because we really truly are the ones who have the true joy. They just have manufactured joy. That's why when it's over and the season's done, they put the tree up, their joy is gone. Because they don't know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, then you don't have his true joy. You're not full so you don't have that fullness of joy in your life. Many times Christians, they, they seem to be lacking that kind of, that kind of joy. I think, I think just because of reasons and stuff and things that happen. But it's just a, it's a, just a focus issue. He says just make a choice. Be joyful. Have you ever had somebody tell you that? Just be joyful. Uh, you don't live here, man. Poke them in the eye. You know, no, really, I mean, just get away from me. Get out of my house. Leave, leave me alone. Get out of my office. You know, <laughs> Corey does that sometimes. Just get out of here. You're killing my joy. But see, but, but that, that, those things happen. Those things happen to us. Your kids tell you, Mom, just be happy. Dad, why can't you just be happy? 
Well, you're not paying the bills. What are you talking about? You, don't, you just get whatever you want. Sure, I'm just going to go out there and get you whatever toy you want. That's all you want. That's all I do. And they're just like, hey, man, it's Christmas. <laughs> Let's just have fun. See, if we're not happy, there's an issue. And the issue isn't with all the other people around us. The issue is on the inside of us. So I just encourage you today, really, as we end, we'll end a little bit early. But I, I, just, I just want to encourage you today. It, it is a great opportunity and a great season to be full of joy. Jesus gave it to us, and he went, and he sat at the right hand of the Father. He's not going to pour out anymore. He has poured out what he gave. And since he poured it out in this earth, and he went to be with the Father, whose job is it then to share it with the people who are around us? Us. See, we are the ones, really, truly, who have that responsibility. It was, it was just kind of a, a, just a, just a shock to me when I, when, I, when I had this realization you know, he says, joy to the world, that Jesus gave us joy, that he poured it into our hearts, that he filled us up. And then he went and he sat at the right hand of the Father. And I thought for, I mean, I just, all of a sudden it just came to me, well, it's my job to share it. No different than the light, no different than the love of Christ, no different than sharing the gospel with somebody, but I'm supposed to share the joy of the Lord too. Huh. He's tacked another thing onto my responsibility. See, if you hold on, you, get started, you start thinking, well, you asked me another thing? But how much fun is it to share the love of God, to share the joy? And I say this sometimes, and I, and I, and I, get, I get caught. I, a lot of the times people ask me, you know, they want to know if I'm happy or I'm enjoying myself or whatever that is. And, and I say this all the time. I'm happy on the inside. You know, I, I think, well, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a little more stoic than the next. And I, I, sometimes I'm just a little more, I, I am happy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy on the inside. Well, it says in Proverbs 15, 13, a happy man makes, a happy heart makes the face cheerful. <laughs> a happy heart makes the face cheerful. <laughs> Joy is important. Proverbs 15, 15, then right after that says, all the days of the oppressed are wretched. But the cheerful heart, the glad heart, the joy-filled heart has a continual feast. I think of my brother-in-law Joe because he's about the happiest person I know. Everywhere he goes, he's happy. And all those things that guy said, he's got twice that list. But he's happy. Nothing can get Joe down. There's just a joy on the inside of him. Kids love him. Parents loathe him. You know, it's like, oh, this guy's just so happy. Have you ever been in a person? Just so happy. Just drives me nuts. He had two flat tires on the highway one day, you know, and it was just a horrible day. He spent six hours on the road trying to get Annabelle from something. And, I mean, it was a wreck. And he laughs about it. Joe, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm on the highway, man. I almost got run over. It's awesome. <laughs> See, you make the choice. I make the choice. It says a merry heart, Proverbs 17, 22, does good like a medicine. We need to take some medicine sometimes, huh? Let's stand up together and pray. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. 
Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.